Well, good morning. Welcome to Calvary Community Church. And um, we're, we're going to do something we do three or four times a year here at Calvary where we dedicate little ones to the Lord. When the disciples were pushing children away from Jesus, Jesus said, let the little children come. He said, it takes childlike faith to enter into my kingdom. And uh, we, as a church, dedicate these little ones and their parents, but as well, we dedicate ourselves in the journey of walking with these families. Uh, Gina Spivey, who is our pastor of Family Ministries, is gonna read a verse about these kids in a moment, and then they'll come out. But before she reads those verses, let me share with you some of the faces and names of kids we dedicated the nine o'clock service uh, just uh, last hour, and that would be Zia, and Nikolai, and Andrew, and Austin, and Josephine, and Julianne. And uh, we have several that we'll be dedicating in the service, and uh, we have a couple families that weren't able to be here today because of sickness in their homes, and uh, we'll catch up with those families later, but Gina's now gonna read the verses uh, for these families. Good morning. First, uh, parents Michael and Sylvia Nicaseo have come to celebrate the dedication of their son, Michael Severio. For Michael's life first, they have chosen John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, we know you have big plans for Michael's life, and you will always be with him. He's not so sure. How are you? A little smile there. Yeah. yeah, he's doing great. All right, will you let me pray for you? Can I pray for you? You're trying to figure me out, aren't you? All right, well, you have time to do that while I'm praying. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Michael. Thank you for his dad, Michael, and his mom, Sylvia. And Father, we pray that as we as a congregation stand with this family today, and dedicate ourselves with them as parents and Michael to you, that we would together have a voice into his life, that his parents would be able to share with him the hope and love of Jesus regularly in their home, that at an early age he would come to Jesus and walk with Jesus. We pray that he would grow to be a man whose life would shine for Christ wherever he goes. We ask, Lord, that you would give Michael and Sylvia wisdom and uh, give them understanding and patience in the days ahead, navigating as a family through a world with a lot of noise and a lot of voices pulling in different directions. May their hearts be focused on you as parents. May they nurture this little boy's young life in you. And may we years from now hear about his testimony for Jesus. Uh, bless Michael. We dedicate him and his parents to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job, buddy. Good job, man. You give me five? There we go. Thank you. You're welcome. Blessings. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you. Next, we have Jackson Gregory Nelson, who is here to be dedicated by his mom, Alyssa, and grandmother, Joanne. For Jackson's life first, she has chosen Philippians 4, 12, and 13, which says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. May Jackson grow up knowing that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. He looks like uh, he needs one of those eye masks 
as the lights are hitting him, he's just kind of <laughs> keeping his eyes closed. I wear one of those, buddy. I get it. I get it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little life, two months old. We just pray your blessing on Jackson. We thank you for his mother, Alyssa, for his grandma, Joanne, being here with him. Thank you that um, this life is a life that uh, his mother has chosen to commit to you. And we commit ourselves as a church to her and the journey ahead to this little guy's life. We pray your blessing on him. We ask, Lord, that you would allow him to hear the good news of Jesus here at Calvary and ministries that will be designed for him as he grows. And we pray that he'd hear about Jesus and see Jesus in his home, and that his mom would have many opportunities to share with him how much you love him. We pray he'd come to a personal faith in Christ at a young age, and then he would walk with Jesus and grow to become a man who shines for Jesus wherever he goes. Uh, we pray your blessing on Jackson and on his mom, Alyssa, and his grandma, Joanne. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So cute. So very cute. He did great. Okay, next we have siblings Camilla Chanel and Gabriel Eduardo Gavea with mom Megan. They have chosen to dedicate Camilla with the life verse Psalm 127.3, which says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. For Gabriel's life verse, we have chosen Isaiah 54.13, which says, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. We are praising Jesus for these two blessings. Well, I heard she saw Santa yesterday and didn't cry, so. <laughs> She started to cry when she saw me, so I'm scarier than Santa Claus. That's a problem. Well, let's pray for Camilla and her brother, Gabriel. Oh, it'll be okay, I promise. How about I bounce a little bit? Does that work? That works for you? All right, I'll get seasick, but you'll do fine. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little life. Thank you for her brother, Gabriel. And we, Lord, pray your blessing on both of these these young lives that are a blessing to uh, their parents. And we pray, Father, for uh, Megan as she nurtures this life in, life in the Lord and Mario, their dad. And we just ask your, your continued blessing on them. We pray, Father, that there be opportunities for them to see Jesus at home, to hear about how much he loves them, and that uh, even soon Gabriel would would put his faith in Jesus, and that soon as Camilla grows, that she would put her faith in Jesus. We, Lord, ask that you'd give Megan just real wisdom in navigating the steps ahead, the days ahead, and give her love and patience and wisdom as she uh, and Mario nurture uh, these lives in you. Bless them, we pray. We dedicate Gabriel and Camilla and their parents to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm actually panting. I'm working out here. There we go. That's so cute. Very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel. Give me a five, buddy. There you go. All right. Well, Pastor Gina is going to come and lead us in prayer. Uh, Gina oversees early childhood through, let's see, elementary, middle school, high school, and the ministries that are so important to us in reaching the next generation for Jesus. And she's going to pray a uh, prayer blessing over all our family ministries and these families. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Pastor Sean. Good morning. First, I just want to thank you for being a church that comes around uh, young families like these, that cares about the next generation. It's so important to who we are at Calvary. So I just want to thank you for that. And then if you would join me in praying for these families. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of child dedications, Lord, for the gift of these families that have chosen to make Calvary their church home, Lord. We ask that you would just be with them as they navigate the journey of parenthood, Lord. It's not always easy, but we know that you're coming alongside them, Lord. We ask that you would give them wisdom, discernment, um, decision-making, peace, comfort, Lord, that you would just be with them all the days of child raising and rearing God. We also ask that you would give us wisdom as a church body on how best to come alongside these families and serve them and love them, Lord they would ultimately just come to knowing you more and more. We thank you for the gift of today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, I do want to say thank you to Gina. She does a great job shepherding this area of our ministry. And thank you to all of you who volunteer in the areas of family ministries. Uh, it's an area that's growing, and about 50% of the families that uh, had scheduled to be dedicated today were not a part of the Calvary family a year ago. So it tells you this is an area where we have great opportunities to walk with families, to see them come to Jesus and nurture their own children in the Lord. So thank you, Gina, for your leadership in that area. And uh, I know our families here at Calvary are blessed because of your leadership and your team. Um, just want to say good morning to all of you. Welcome to Calvary Community Church. Uh, there is a QR code on the seat next to you, or you can scan it on the screen here. You scan that, and you can get to several resources that are found at this landing page. And um, one of those resources is our weekly bulletin, where you can get information about events and opportunities for you and your family. You can also uh, find the Connect With Us button there. And if you click on that, you'll be able to let us know if you're a visitor with us. We'd love to acknowledge your visit. We keep that data private. We don't share it or sell it in any way. It's our way of connecting with you and acknowledging that you've attended Calvary for a couple of weeks. You're visiting with us for the first time. And so you can go to the Connect With Us button. Also, the teaching notes are available there as Pastor Troy speaks in just a few moments. And so those are available also on that, uh, that landing page. And then uh, we want to just share with you some things you need to know as a part of the Calvary family, opportunities. We've been gathering toys for the last several weeks, and our toy drive has been going very well. We're actually about where we are each year. This is our last weekend to gather toys, and they can come in the next couple of days. But these toys are going to be used to help people, uh, many who are in financial need. We have uh, one of the Christmas shops that will be held in conjunction with our partner Action here in the community. will be held on our campus next Saturday morning. Thank you for those who volunteered. We've got plenty of volunteers now. Uh, but there are also other Christmas shops that Action will be doing, and we partner with them, not only get toys for the Christmas shop we host, but for other ones that help those who are financially challenged parents being able to get toys so they can have dignity, choosing toys for their own kids in a very uh, a, a way that just honors them, and they get an opportunity to share these with their kids. And they hear about Jesus. We pray with them. It's a great time at these Christmas shops, and the one we hold here, again, is this coming Saturday. But in terms of toys, we need about 2,000 toys, and we've got about 1,000 toys. That means we're 50% of the way there. And what usually happens on this weekend is I let you know where we are, and then many of you go to Target or Costco or somewhere and get unwrapped toys and bring them in and put them in the boxes. The building's open today. You can come and drop them off tomorrow and Tuesday. We really need them early in the week so that we can properly prepare for which toys stay here, which toys go other places. You can also go to our website and find an Amazon link that will help you to pick some toys that are kind of in a wish list there that you then can pick to help uh, 
take care of some needs that folks might not naturally think of. We often get toys for the littler kids, but we don't get things for the older children. And there on that list, you can see items that we're looking for for older children. This is a great way for us to show the love of Jesus at Christmas time. And so I just encourage you, get some unwrapped gifts, bring them, go online to our website, look for the, the Amazon link there uh, related to the Christmas shop. And uh, it's an opportunity to invest in others. And then in two weeks, we have our Star of Wonder event where we'll have food trucks and a petting zoo and we'll have uh, bounce houses and those kind of games. We'll also have tons of snow on the front lawn for sledding. We're adding a few runs to shorten the line a little bit this year. I I wanna emphasize this is for our church family, yes, but it's really for the church family to invite neighbors and friends, bring your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, to invite coworkers to come. This is an opportunity for us as the body. We don't advertise this in the community. We just ask you to invite others to come and bring someone with you. And a lot of people will come to an event like this on campus and it lowers the threshold for them. They might not come for something else. And then they find out we're not totally weird and that we do care about them. And they might show up again. And we've had people who have become a part of Calvary because they were on our campus for an event like this. It's a great opportunity to bring our friends and loved ones uh, to an event here on campus, coming up in two weeks, two Sundays from now. You know, um, as we've talked about these little ones and their families today, and Jesus' care for little kids, uh, Calvary has had a long history of investing in the next generation, even as Pastor Gina prayed about the investment we make as a church into children and students. Um, this is a video clip of a story of a family that de- dedicated their little son, Ryder, in, on Mother's Day of 2021. And uh, they've been ministered to by the weekend ministries of early childhood. And then God has used our preschool, that's during the week, uh, to bless them, which it's only two years old. But watch this story of Ryder and his family. The first service that we went to was pretty moving. I remember walking out to the car. I think we both said something to the effect of, I think we found our church home. Ryder was born in February 2021, and we were able to have him dedicated by Pastor Sean on Mother's Day weekend. It was a, a really good experience, especially not having our own family here. It felt really good to be embraced by a church family. We went back because we were first-time parents of a very young child and all of our family was in Texas and we kind of thought we needed to be closer to family for help. We tried to find other comparable churches and we could not. And the whole time we were in Texas, we continued to watch services online. And for us, Calvary maintained as our home, as our home church. I came back ahead of her to find housing and to find Ryder a school. I'm not even sure how I figured out that Calvary had a preschool. It sounds cheesy, but maybe it was divine because I remember going on the website and we found out that the preschool was fairly new. Ryder is not only thriving with knowledge and learning and having friends, all of the things that you really hope for in a school setting, but we've really found that he already knows Jesus, and that is something that a parent only prays for. You know, there's just something about when you leave to go to work and drop him off knowing that he's safe, he's in a place where he'll be loved and taught the story of Jesus and everything in the Bible. 
It's so amazing to see Jesus shining through his lips, to see him shining through his life. And when we dedicated him on Mother's Day weekend in 2021, it was that commitment to the church that we together with the church would bring Jesus into his life. And to see that happening before our eyes here at Calvary, it's been so special. Isn't that great? Wonderful story. Thank you for those of you who serve in our preschool during the week, those of you who serve in our early childhood on the weekends and even on the weekdays. Uh, you're investing in and making a difference in lives like uh, this family's. Uh, you know, even as those of you who give in the offerings, as we give together as a church, uh, as we give and worship to the Lord uh, through our tithes and our offerings, uh, we're making a difference in families like that. This time of year, these final weeks of the calendar year, is an important time for us in terms of our offerings and our budget. Because of your generosity each year, about 25% of the total income in terms of our offerings comes in in these last six weeks or so of the calendar year. So thank you over the years for your generosity. This year, the goal for the Christmas offering is 2.75 million. Now that number to me as an individual is overwhelming and very large. Uh, each year it's daunting when I say that number out loud. And yet um, God has used all of us together as we prayed about what God would have us give and we give as God has blessed us, God has provided. And so I want you to understand that this, this time of year is a special time of year, of course, of giving, and we can give to God. And I would just encourage you that this 2.75 million, just that part of our budget, cares for some specific things. It funds our global partners, our missionary partners, for a full year all around the world. And uh, that means all of our missionary partners across the globe, this funds our support of them for an entire year in part of this 2.75 million. And then our family ministries for a full year, from birth through high school, actually we've even included young adults, and it also includes our special abilities ministry uh, is a part of that 2.75, it makes up that total number. And then the third area is our enhanced hospitality ministries for a full year. Uh, we're enhancing the ways people can connect in the lobby. Uh, about 30% of those who attend Calvary now were not attending Calvary regularly a year ago, and so we're trying to do all we can to make sure they connect and they get to know us and become a part of the church family. And so I want to just ask you to be praying. Now, if you're a guest today, we don't expect you to give to the offering, but if you call Calvary your church, somebody asks you, where do you go to church? You said, Calvary, can I encourage you to be praying for this offering, praying in these final weeks? Um, I don't ask anybody for any amount of money. We just make the need known, and we ask you to pray, and God provides through his people. So how do we pray? Pray, first of all, that God would provide what's needed through his people. That's us. There's no secret organization that supports us. There's not one donor that takes care of everything. It's all of us giving as God has blessed us. Secondly, ask God to show you what he would have you give uh, above and beyond your regular giving. And um, Leslie and I are praying about what God would have us give above and beyond our regular giving toward the Christmas offering at this time of year. Let's pray that way and see what God does in your own heart in stirring you in terms of your giving and your investment in God's work here at your local church. There are four ways that you can give. One, you can give online at calvarywestlake.org give. 
You can give at the kiosk, the digital kiosk in the lobby, or through the cash and checks can be given in the silver secure boxes that are at the doors or in the lobbies. And you can give through our Calvary app that you can download from your mobile phone store. That's a free app, but there are a lot of resources there that can help you connect to Calvary. It also gives you an opportunity to give through the app in a very easy way. And then this time of year, we often get questions about securities and stocks and appreciated assets that people uh, can uh, give and take advantage of uh, tax opportunities, tax break opportunities as we come to the end of the the, uh, calendar year. And so uh, Pastor Rick Fusilier, who is our stewardship pastor here, he's always available to answer questions, to help you if you'd like to give stocks or securities, if you'd like to know some of the resources that are available. He's aware of ways in which you can maximize your giving uh, from retirement funds, those kinds of things. Rick is a great resource. You can email him at the email address that's on the screen, or you can call our office and talk to Pastor Rick. But I again want to say thank you for your generosity. Let's pray together and see what God does to once again provide for the ministry so we can fund our global partners, impact the next generation for Jesus, and uh, so that we can even make ourselves more hospitable and more of an opportunity for people to connect. Thanks for your generosity. And you can even give today as you worship the Lord in this way. I'm gonna ask my brother Troy, Pastor Troy, and his wife Stephanie to join me on the platform. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we announced that Pastor Troy would be Troy and Stephanie would be leaving here, going back to the church where they came from. It's also the church that I served uh, on staff for a number of years, so we have a deep love for that church, Bible Center Church in Charleston, West Virginia. Some of you might remember uh, John King, Pastor John King, who was on our staff. He is one of the lead pastors there, and Troy is going there to be one of those lead pastors in a unique setup, the way they've organized uh, their leadership there. And uh, I have prayed that this wouldn't happen. (laughs) I've spread rumors about him back there, and they didn't seem to believe those. Um, um, And uh, yet I know that Troy and Stephanie are both gonna be a great blessing there. It's personally heavy that they're not gonna be here all the time. It's professionally heavy because I think many of you here know the impact they both have had on a variety of ministries. God has gifted my brother, my only sibling, gifted him uh, with uh, a businessman's mind and a pastor's heart, and um, that's a rare combination, and God has used that in our setting in in a wide variety of ways, and he's going to be preaching in just a moment. Many of you have heard him teach in various settings, and God's used a bunch of his gifts to make an impact in our own church family and our community. And Stephanie, many of you may not know Stephanie. She likes to work behind the scenes. Probably doesn't like it all that I've asked her to be up here today. Um, But uh, Stephanie has served uh, behind the scenes in a variety of ministries, including our special abilities ministry, helping with some organizational tasks, even around the big uh, Pray Fit run every year. Uh, She's done a lot of the work to get permits from the local uh, governments and things, and she just does a lot of that stuff as well as serves in special abilities each weekend. And I've watched Stephanie over the years. She also finds a few people that she just pours into and walks the journey of life with them. And uh, I've seen some of the folks here today that she's done that with, and they've together had a beautiful ministry in uh, our community. I love them both and uh, know God is gonna use them there, uh, but ache that uh, God has chosen to take them there. And I wanna ask you guys, how can we be praying for you, Troy? 
Well, I, I think right now, uh, certainly we're moving to a new ministry setting, but right now, really more personal things such as, you know, we've got kind of a whirlwind week ahead of us of the packing, the moving, and all of that kind of thing, closing on the house. Uh, so just the logistics of that, praying for that, it's busy and uh, make sure everything goes well. And then, of course, even on a personal level, you know, we've been empty nesters here for, uh, for a couple of years and our kids are staying here on the West Coast. So this is a whole different stage of life for us being apart from them. Uh, Steph's job is here and she'll continue to come out every other month. So she'll be here quite a few times a year uh, and I will, of course, tag along as well. But this is just a different stage of life for us. So just pray for that as we adjust to that and uh, big change for us. Yeah, and uh, my wife has cleared some uh, drawers for Stephanie and closet space for Stephanie, but nothing for Troy. Um, <laughs> Leslie and I are both going to miss them greatly, and we want to pray for the new ministry as well. Uh, would you stretch out a hand and just pray with me for them? Father, thank you for Troy and Stephanie. Lord, um, we just uh, ache to see this happen, but yet we know that you are in this and that you're going to use them mightily there. Thank you for the way you've gifted both of them in different ways to serve you and to bring honor and glory to you as they minister to people. I pray your blessing on Bible Center and as Troy and John lead there, I pray that you would just bless the work. Uh, may it be used to just proclaim Christ in the greater Charleston area uh, for many years. Father, we pray as they'll be apart from their kids that all that will, will be a healthy thing. And even as she comes back, that that'll just be a, a real great connection and uh, that they'll know that they are loved by the Calvary family, that we appreciate their service here for almost just shy of eight years by a couple of weeks. And thank you for the way you've used them. We pray for the move and that would go smoothly and the settling into ministry. Thank you that he came from there, was on staff there before he came here and knows and will be able to, both of them be able to hit the ground running and serving you there. Bless them. Uh, thank you for their time with us. Be honored and glor glorified through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Well, thank you very much. Um, indeed, uh, this is a special place here, Calvary, and we love it here. Um, this has been a tough decision for us to make. We truly do believe this is what God would have, and we've seen some confirmation of that, and, and that is helpful, but it's difficult to leave. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to be on your staff here. Uh, you may or may not be aware, but there's a wonderful group of people that serve here um, full-time and many of them part-time. And it's just been a great culture to be a part of uh, and been a great team to be a part of. And, and we'll certainly miss that. And of course, Sean being here, I love him. I'm proud of what he has done here and will continue to do here as he continues to serve here. And this has just been a wonderful place to be. Um, my brother, Sean, asked me uh, about a month ago, hey, why don't you preach your last Sunday here and, and you can share with folks and, and you'll be uh, preaching in our series and we want you to preach on giving. And I thought, wow, that's the last sermon I'll ever preach for these folks and he wants me to talk about money. I thought, okay, whatever, I'll do that. And then he, a few weeks ago, he says, you know what, we're not going to do the money thing. Um, we've changed up. Brian's going to start a new series this week. I'll preach the second one. You preach the third and wrap up this series on lamenting. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, we'll, we'll talk about lamenting on my last go around here with the folks at Calvary. I was afraid maybe Thursday I might get a call and he'd say, you know what, we've changed it again. We want you to preach on sex. <laughs> now, thank God he did not do that. 
So we will continue this series this morning, and actually it's been a great series as we talk about this dark clouds, deep mercy, this idea of lamenting, of grieving over our culture and the brokenness of it. And particularly this week, I'm, I'm going to talk about grieving with our neighbors. How do we live in this life as we lament uh, this broken world? I'll show you a picture here of some cooked cabbage. Now, I'm sure everybody here loves cooked cabbage. I actually do like cooked cabbage. My grandmother makes it, made it, and it was very good. In Indiana, where I grew up, the state of Indiana requires every eighth grader to take the class home economics. It's kind of like life skills class. We learned how to cook a little bit. We learned how to sew. We learned how to household budget, that kind of thing. And in my home economics class at Grissom Middle School there in Indiana, the first thing we did second week of school was do cooked cabbage. Now, I'm sure they thought long and hard, what do eighth graders absolutely love and what would get them excited about home ec? Cook cabbage, let's do it. Well, that's what we did. We did cook cabbage. Miss Morton, our teacher, and there was, it was kind of a cool classroom setting where she had kind of a, almost like what you see on the Food Network, kind of kitchen in the front of the room. And then we were in groups of three and there were four or five, maybe six other little kitchenettes in this large room. And for the cooked cabbage one, this was our first go around at cooking in the class. She stood in front, we had all our ingredients, and she did the steps with us. Okay, do this, do that, boil, saute, season, what have you. And we all did the whole thing. And I'm in this group of three people, I don't remember who, there was a guy and then there was a young lady, she had just transferred in from this pretty elite prep school in the area called Stanley Clark, her name was Jane. And Jane really liked right angles and good grades. So she was very serious about cooked cabbage. Well, we get done. And it's okay, now it's time to taste your cooked cabbage. So we all get a fork and you take a taste of cooked cabbage. Didn't taste like my grandmother's. In fact, I could barely get it down. It tasted like taking a mouthful of ocean water. It was that salty, it was so salty and it was terrible. But you're trying to keep the game face because you're gonna get graded on this thing. Well, you know, we're all trying to get that down and Jane's starting to tear up because she thinks she's gonna get a bad grade and I'm trying to, hey, calm down, it's okay, second week of the year, we'll be all right. And, and you know, you're starting to look around the room and seeing that everybody else is not exactly excited about their cabbage. As a matter of fact, you can see that something is amiss, something's wrong. This cabbage is not like it should be. And a matter of fact, the kind of laughter erupted in the room and our teacher, Ms. Morton, said, I'm sure you don't like it. I tripled the amount of salt that we were supposed to put in our cooked cabbage. And there was some kind of lesson there about, I think, tasting your food as you cook or what have you. It was kind of lost on us. We just, I was just relieved that Jane wasn't going to have some sort of a coronary there because we were going to get a bad grade. But it's interesting, we all knew something just wasn't right. It just wasn't right. And everybody knew it. And you think about our culture today, you think about what we see on television, what we talk about in the workplace, what we see around us all the time, and everyone would agree, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, that things aren't as they should be. Something is amiss. It is just not right. We live in a broken world. It's a broken place that's been marked by our sinfulness and our brokenness. And we see it evidence in culture. In fact, Romans chapter eight, verse 22 and 23 says, we know that the whole creation 
has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Creation itself is groaning. It's broken. Right down to our very physical bodies are broken, and they're not as God intended them to be. We as human beings have messed it up. And what I want us to think about today is the solution. That's the whole point of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is we know that the solution to the world not being quite right or not being right at all is different than what other people might say. Politicians, philosophers, others have tried for centuries to come up with answers from economic systems to political systems to what have you. But what we need to understand as followers of Jesus Christ, as we lament with our neighbors over the brokenness of our world, is this. Followers of Jesus must embrace humility and compassion as we lament brokenness in ourselves and our world. We must embrace humility and compassion as we lament brokenness in ourselves and in our world. And I think there's no better place to go than the teachings of Jesus Christ himself. As a matter of fact, my mind, when I started thinking about this topic, went immediately to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has already been tempted. He's already been spoken of and testified to be the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. He's already called his disciples. He's already performed some of his first miracles. And then we catch him here in Matthew chapter 5, giving his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It's interesting, the first part of that has been labeled the Beatitudes. They start, blessed is, blessed, blessed, blessed. Eight times he uses that word blessed. And I used to think it was cool some Sunday school teacher made up Beatitudes because they all start with B and you should have a good attitude. Well, actually, what it is is when the scripture was translated into Latin from the original Greek, the New Testament, this section was labeled beatus. Latin word, which means an attitude of thinking. So the Beatitudes really are that. They're this attitude of thinking that we should have, Beatus. And what I'm going to say today, what I would put before you is that it's actually a radical way of thinking. So Jesus gathers, there's crowds, and his disciples are around him, and he begins to teach. If you have a copy of the scripture, I'd encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 5. And let's just read a few verses together here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 starts, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Word crowds there, just the, it's a word for common folks. So just everyday people and the disciples are there. He said, Blessed, there's our word, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That word blessed or blessed, as I said there, it's unfortunate that that's kind of lost in our culture. You know, you have the hashtag blessed, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and we sort of trivialize this word. As a matter of fact, this word is really interesting because it was the word that was a poetical term that the audience that Jesus was talking to would have understand very clearly or understood very clearly. It was a poetical term that was used of the blissful atmosphere that the Greek gods existed in. It was almost like Greco-Roman nirvana. It wasn't just, wow, you'll be blessed. It was, you will be in the ultimate 
status of blessing. And he starts with blessed, this word of how the gods existed in, in the poet's terms, these mythical gods. And he says, blessed are the poor. And it, Jesus was just so good when he taught at turning things on their head. Blessed, this, this high lofty term and poor. The word he used there was for abject poverty. Absolutely nothing. It's actually a word that would have been used of a beggar in how they timidly bowed to beg. Absolutely nothing. Blessed are the poor, abject poverty. And then he says, not in, in material stuff, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what he's really talking about here, I think, is the uniquely human receptor of the knowledge of God and really of the knowledge of the need for God. What I want us to think about is, first of all, when we're lamenting with our neighbors, is we have to lament our own condition first. Turns out Michael Jackson was right. Starts with the man in the mirror. We have to look at ourselves first. And as we think about what Jesus is saying here, what I'd like to say is this is the radical realization that we have nothing to offer apart from God. We have nothing to offer apart from God. It means that we absolutely understand that we need a Savior. It's really this concept here is, is the idea of we bring nothing to the relationship with God. Do you ever think about that? If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that relationship is all God. We don't bring anything to it. In fact, we look at Scripture, and it's kind of interesting when we see what Jesus says. He says to them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's everything. The disciples, the 12 that were there, there was at least two of them that we know were caught up in what was called the Zealots Movement. And these were guys that were Jewish men that really worked actively to overthrow Rome and get them out of Judea. And many of the disciples had this concept that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to kick out Rome and set up a kingdom, like an earthly kind of kingdom. As a matter of fact, three times that we know of, the disciples, various ones of them, approached Jesus about getting an important position in the kingdom. In fact, James and John said, hey, mom, they got their mother to go talk to Jesus. Talk about a low blow to the other disciples. Hey, mom, go to Jesus and ask him, it's James and John, if we can be on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom so we have a good spot. Mom goes, asks him, and Jesus has this response because he understood, you guys don't get it. This is the kingdom of heaven. And he says in Matthew chapter 20, he calls them all together. You can kind of imagine that Jesus has got his dander up a little bit here. He's a little bit annoyed with these guys. He calls them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
This isn't the way the kingdom of heaven operates. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And here's the key. How did he serve? The best way he served? And to give his life as a ransom for many. The radical realization now is this radical realization that those who have nothing have been graciously given everything. The God-man, Jesus Christ in the flesh, came to earth as a ransom for many. We have a cross here on the wall at Calvary. It's not just decoration. It's because every time we get together, we need to be reminded that the God of the universe... The Son of God came and took our place on the cross as a ransom. He took our place. He was buried. He died and he was buried. He came back to life three days later and he conquered death and hell on your behalf and on my behalf. And if you're in this room this morning and I've been talking about followers of Jesus and you're kind of like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm not sure I'm in with that. What you need to understand today is that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you and that he conquered death and hell for you. And you look at your world and you look at your life and go, yeah, it's not as it should be. Jesus wants to make it as it should be. He wants you to have the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to have heaven in your future and a purpose for your life here on earth. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I encourage you today to make that decision. There's going to be some folks up here, part of the care and prayer team. After the service, you can talk to them. They'll pray with you. I'll be in the lobby. Pastor Sean will be in the lobby. There's other pastors and other leaders here that would love to help you understand how you can begin that relationship with Christ because he gave his life as a ransom for you. Well, those of us that know Christ, what, should, what does this mean to us? This should lead us to humility, not guilt. Humility, not guilt. When I said you bring nothing, we bring nothing to the relationship, that doesn't mean that you are worthless. It means just the opposite. The God of this world loved you enough that he gave his life as a ransom for you. And there's enough people in this room that I'm sure many of you have heard in your life sometime, maybe literally someone say to you, you're worthless. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're funny looking. I've gotten that one quite a bit. My brother's gotten it way more than me, though. (laughs) But you may have heard in your lifetime those kind of words. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is that God loved you enough that he died for you and wants to have a relationship with you. And that should lead us to humility. Not self-loathing. Not self-deprecation. Not guilt. That can be used in a destructive way in our lives, but humility. And humility should lead us to acts of gratitude, really a life of gratitude. When we think about who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ and that we have been forgiven and the kingdom of heaven is ours, it should lead us to acts of gratitude, a life of gratitude, some practical ways that plays out. We're here together, assembled as the body of Christ. I would encourage you to plug into the body of Christ here at Calvary. Serve. Be a part of it. 
be involved in it. One of the things that's blown me away in the eight years that I've been on the staff here, part of my job has been to work with Rick Fusilier in the area of stewardship. And I've been involved in offerings, particularly the Christmas offerings and other things every year. And what has blown me away by this church family every time is how you have humbly given generously. Every time when we have the Christmas offering, every time that we've had a fiscal year and close, it's been amazing to me to see how generous you all are. And I want to commend you for that, and I want to encourage you to keep it up. That is how we respond with acts of gratitude because of that humility as we look and lament at our own condition. Well, we have to move from lamenting about our own condition, looking in the mirror and understanding this humility we need to take upon ourselves. And then we have to turn and look at lamenting our world's condition. This is the one we all like, right? It's really easy to jump over looking at ourselves and understanding our condition. It's really easy to look at everybody else, right? Um, I was teasing with Jason McMaster, our executive pastor, this morning. He wants me to share a little devotional in a meeting tomorrow morning here uh, with the staff. And I told him, I'm just going to tell him it's my last shot. I'm going to say, look, you guys should have always listened to what I've said, and we would have been way better off these last eight years. That's what we think, right? We have the solution. Everybody else, we point our fingers and, and our thumbs at everybody. You guys are the bad ones. And we really want to look at our world, and sometimes we want to look down our nose at our world, Right? And we want to point at them and say, you guys have done terrible things and you deserve what you get. That's not what this is either. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Let me read that second verse that we look at, or the fourth verse really, but the second verse we're focusing on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, thinking makarios, this blissful atmosphere the gods lived in, blessed are those that mourn. Just what it says, grieving, pain over the loss, sadness over a loss. In fact, it's this intense mourning like over a loss of a child. And I want to stop here for a moment. And I know that many folks in this room, maybe all of us, have suffered some kind of loss, some kind of pain. The beautiful thing here we see with Jesus, one of the simple applications of this is if you're mourning and you know him, he will bring you comfort. I don't even know how it works, but somehow the Holy Spirit, maybe even using folks in your life, brings comfort. So if you're here this morning and you have a heavy heart, you've experienced a loss, know that there is comfort. Jesus here is saying, blessed are those who mourn. And he's talking about mourning over the brokenness and sinfulness of our world. He's talking about mourning as we look and see just how lost folks are. That's what he's saying. That's this kind of mourning. It's the radical realization of the utter hurt and hopelessness in our world apart from God. Our world is like we are. Apart from God, hopeless. And rather than us look at folks in culture and say, yeah, you guys are bad. You guys deserve what you get. It should turn us to a different way. In fact, Jesus is spoken of 
in John, 1 John 2.1. And it says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Here's what I want to say. The ra- this is the radical realization that the hurt and hopelessness, hurt and hopeless are graciously offered the advocate. That word comfort, it's this word that really is the word that would have been used of the action of a defense attorney in the culture of that day. They would have been listening. Blessed are those who mourn. They're broken over the sinfulness of the word because they will be given a defense attorney. And Jesus is called in 1 John 2, 1, the advocate. I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to blow it from time to time. It's a bummer, I know. You're going to blow it from time to time. We are going to sin. And what we know here that 1 John 2, 1 says, if we do sin, we have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Praise God, we have been successfully defended by the best defense attorney of all time, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And that's okay to smile about that, by the way. I know sometimes we come to church, we're very serious, very serious, like Jane about cabbage, you know, very serious. But it's okay to smile. That's a good one, right? We've been successfully defended by Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He took our place. He stood. He came alongside us. That's what that word means. He came alongside and he comforted. He advocated for us. He took up our cause. There's an old hymn that says, God's love always passes through rose-colored glasses. I thought that was cool. The idea that when he looks down upon a child of God, the father, he sees the blood of his son and his love passes through rose-colored glasses. That has been offered to everyone. It's not our job to stand in judgment of people. It's our job to actually be compassionate. This should lead us to compassion, not disdain. Compassion, not disdain. We should not look down our noses or shake our fingers at people in culture who are behaving what we think is counter what God would have. Well, of course they are. They don't know him. I believe that people who don't know Christ are the most consistent people on the face of the earth, and those of us that do are often the most inconsistent. Many years ago, there was a preacher. He's been dead for a number of years. But in the early 80s, when the AIDS virus came and was really impacting at that time the homosexual community, he stood up in front of a group of pastors hundreds of pastors, and he said, the greatest thing that's ever happened to the homosexual community is the AIDS virus, and he jumped up and clicked his heels, and people cheered. That's the opposite of how we should react to pain in the lives of people and culture. That's the perfect example of disdain. Jesus Christ was the perfect example of compassion I want to read you a verse, Matthew 9, 36. It says this, talking of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus had compassion on people, not because they didn't have stuff. He had compassion because they were lost and hopeless. They had no shepherd. And we should have that same compassion as we see people behave badly in our culture. The compassion of that, hey, they don't know Christ. I do. When I have pain and trouble in my life, I have a resource they don't have. The God of the universe active in my life. It should cause us to act out in compassion. Book of Job in the Old Testament is an interesting book. And if you're familiar with it, this guy Job, he uh, lost absolutely everything. Everything. His family, everything he owned. The only person that was left in his life when everything was destroyed was his wife. And he was afflicted with these terrible boils all over his skin. And he's sitting in a pile of ashes scraping the boils with a broken piece of pottery. And his wife says to him, curse God and die. Super helpful in that moment, honey. Thank you. (laughs) Tough thing. And then he has these friends that come and they give these long speeches. If you're familiar with the book, they go on for chapters. And they give these speeches to Job. And Job's response is this. Job 16.2, it says, I have heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters, all of you. Let's not be counted amongst the miserable comforters. Let's come alongside people. Let's have compassion like Jesus did. Let's show them the love of Jesus Christ as opposed to judging them because that's quite what they respect or what they expect is that we're going to judge them and we're going to point our fingers at them. Compassion should lead us to gospel relationships. Gospel relationships. What does that mean? That means simply loving people, acts of kindness. Maybe even that opportunity to, when somebody has something going on in their life, you can say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? I don't do that as much as as I really would like to do. I've done that at times in my life, and I've only had one person say no. Everyone that I've said, hey, can I pray for you right now? People who aren't believers have said, yes, please do. What a great way for us just to have a gospel relationship. Do you ever think about the fact that you're next to that lady or that man at work in that cubicle for a reason? That you live in that neighborhood across from that family for a reason? We need to have these gospel relationships. We need to act out in compassion to people. Because they don't know. Jesus was moved to compassion because they didn't have a shepherd. They didn't know him. I spent most of my adult life in the marketplace. And I used to travel a lot for business, a lot internationally. And I used to spend some time, quite a bit of time, in Amsterdam. I took a picture once upon a time years ago in Amsterdam. I want to show it to you. It's a picture of bicycles. Now, if you've ever been to Holland... Uh, you know that these people ride bikes everywhere. They're like super healthy, super in shape, and they're all very tall. And very so if you, you ever want a lesson in humility, you just go to Holland and look around. It's kind of a humbling experience. But they ride bikes everywhere. And this is at a, a water taxi station. One of the canals is just on the other side of this. And you can't tell, but this garage is like a parking garage for bikes. There are thousands of bicycles here. And one day, uh, my business partner and I were sitting on a bench, eating ice cream, 
uh, kind of doing the opposite of what the people in Holland do, the Dutch. We were just stuffing our faces. And I saw this guy, and if you can see in that picture, there's a guy on a bicycle just on the, that side of the picture, and, and he's getting ready to ride away. Well, before I took this picture, for about 10 or 15 minutes, this guy walked up, and he, you can see immediately when he walks up to the garage, he forgets where he parked his bike. And he has no idea which bike is his. And if you look, there's some, some differentiation, but these bikes, for the most part, all look the same. And there's thousands of them. So he kind of walks, and, and he sees a couple bikes, and, and he, you see him go, oh, and he tries a lock, and mm, that wasn't it, you know, goes to another one. For about 10 or 15 minutes, this poor guy is walking around trying to find his bike. Now, we just continued to stuff our faces with ice cream and didn't offer any help, but uh, nonetheless, this guy finally comes to us, and, oh, and it opens. He gets his bike, and he rides away. And that memory's kind of burnt in my brain. It's, it's this thing of there was just this sea of bicycles, and he couldn't differentiate even the one that he owned and he had. It's just white noise. And if we as followers of Christ just react like everybody else does in culture to the brokenness of our world, to the brokenness of ourself, and we just complain and we moan and we get this vitriol about the guy on the other side of the aisle or this guy who believes a different philosophy than I do or those kids behave this way and we just become another bicycle. Nobody can tell the difference between us and anybody else in culture. We want to be those that stick out. It doesn't mean we have to be weirdos. But it means when the chips are down in life and somebody comes to us and tells us this is what's happened in my life, that we have compassion. And, and we maybe even give them some encouragement. Maybe we take a New Testament and just say to somebody, hey, you know what? My relationship with Christ is really important to me. I'd, I'd love for you just to take this and read it someday. If not, that's okay. But if we're that same bitter person who has disdain for culture, if we're that prideful person who thinks we have all the answers, we're just another bicycle. We want to stick out. We want to be different. We want to take on humility and compassion and act out accordingly to people that we know every day. Yeah, there are dark clouds in life. But there's great mercy, and we are the ones that are to bear out and show out that mercy to people in our lives. Let's be counted amongst those who are humble and compassionate. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these folks here. Thank you for this wonderful congregation here at Calvary Community Church. I pray that you would help us to take on the mantle of humility, of compassion in our lives, that we could be different, that we could go against the grain so that when the chips are down, people will turn to us and we can give them the answer, which is you. Thank you that you've given us the kingdom of heaven. Thank you that we have a hope with assurance for our future. Help us move from here and use what we have heard from you today. In your name we pray these things. Amen.